Hello, Red Wave. This is Beware of Bulldogs podcast. We are your hosts, Caleb Mail and Caleb Pletz. We're going to recap the boys again. This was bad. And I just want to start by saying this. We had a Twitter space after the game. Uh, we had, it was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for joining. If you uh, were in there and Gonzo was in there, hit or die, a lot of, and then some, some of you guys, uh, listeners were in there. And uh, what got brought up was the media and how, you know, we the red wave would like to see, you know, the media be honest. Okay. So I just want, just want to let everybody know things are not going well. If you don't know this by now, things are not going well. And uh, this is a podcast that I would say, Caleb, correct me if I'm wrong, is less media, more fan base, because we are, we are the red wave. We don't get paid to do this. This is all uh, by the fans for the fans. So if you're here to hear only good things, you're in the wrong spot. If you're here to only hear us bash the dogs, you're in the wrong spot. So uh, we like to have a good time. We love our Bulldogs, and we will continue to support them. Uh, I, I don't know why I felt the need to say that, but I just want to let everybody know that you're going to get everything here. And uh, especially when we lose to Boise and it, after a loss to UConn, you know where this is going. So <laughs> we're going to get to your guys' responses um, after Caleb and I talk because we haven't really got to hash this out together. So you're going to get uh, just a true conversation between Caleb and I about Bulldog football right now and, and a recap on the Boise game. And then we'll get to you guys. Uh, so Thank you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at beware CSUF and on Instagram at beware Bulldogs podcast. All right, Caleb. I, I, we just jumped on hit record. We're just F it. We'll do it live sort of deal. And uh, so I don't really, I don't really have anything like in particular to start with. I guess we'll just start with the beginning of the game. And it, it came out, we came out and just looked flat right away, but I'll let you start talking. Now I've talked way too much. Let's talk about the beginning of the game here. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. You know, we're we're gonna obviously just share how we feel, and that's why we're doing this. We're 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 fans, and so mm-hmm. it is getting uh, really frustrating having these. I'm gonna call it sad Sunday. I know that <laughs> yeah, some, some, sometimes the the team calls it tell the truth Sunday. I think um, that's. Lately, it's definitely been sad. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, Jesus, these last four games we've had sad (laughs) Sundays uh, doing these recaps. But, um, you know, it's still a great day to be a Bulldog. You know, Michael, uh, he wasn't able to watch the game uh, last night. Thank you, uh, Fall Weddings. So, um, but, yeah, these these sad Sundays are getting tough. But we will still be here uh, no matter what. So, uh, but, yeah, another just – Really slow start for the offense. I mean, um, you know, a quick three and out, and then Boise drove down. Oh, and, you know, below average punt from Carson King. I think it only went 26 yards. So, you know, Boise got the ball on, I think, the 46-yard line. I mean, they drove down sixth place, 54 yards, touchdown, easy peasy. So, um, you know, not a not a positive way to start the game. No. And I, I tweeted about it the first drive, and I think I texted you too. Uh, I, I was in shock. Of how bad we looked coming out. So if you know anything at all about football, if you played football, you know that when the game starts, you've watched film, you've gone to practice, you have about, I, I played in high school, I didn't play in college. We had six plays ready to go, right? 
we knew we were going to call these plays. We're going to start with this play, second down. You know, if we get the first down on the first down, here's what we call, you know, things like that. I Correct me if I'm wrong, again, of how this went. False start on the first drive. Uh, so miscommunication there. And then um, another I – don't, I don't have the plays in front of me, um, but a, a really poor play on second down. Um, yeah, we had a three minutes rush for two yards and then right. a two so, yard completed pass and then a six yard completed pass. But then, you know, because of the false start, we're still at fourth and five and punt for 20, 24 yards, according yeah. to ESPN stats. So you come out, false start, run the ball for two yards. Um, it was a short pass to Nico. I think at, he caught it at the line of scrimmage and then fumbled it and went out of bounds. And then I, I, it was, it was bad. So I'm thinking to why are we, we had all week to get ready for Boise. Um, we had people talking that, Oh, you know, we've watched some Boise even before UConn, we're getting ready for Boise here. And we come out and do that. And we just looked flat as could be flatter than my pancakes. I mean, is it was bad, dude. And they, uh, I, th- to me, that is just unacceptable. Wh- whatever that's on. And the big conversation around the, around the Fresno State football fan base right now, and we're going to talk about this probably the entire episode, is is it coaching or is it lack of execution? And you're going to hear that from all the media as well. And, I mean, I have my opinion that we'll get into. Caleb, I'm sure you have your own opinion as well. But you cannot come out that flat and then kick off and then, I mean, punt 26 yards and then give that, give a touchdown up. That hurts. I will say this about Boise, and I want to hear what you, your thoughts are too. Boise, I know they watched film against USC because they did exactly what USC did to us, as in spreading out the field. And I, if I was any team, if I coach a team, I'd do this to us. Four wide receivers. Two on each side, spread them out wide. You got a running back and a quarterback, and you're going to run read option. That's what you're going to do. Said, make the linebackers stop us because we're we're spread thin, and the linebackers are going to have to either stop the quarterback or the running back, and hopefully the D line gets a good push. But we've seen that they haven't so far. Uh, what do you see from this Boise offense? Yeah, I mean. It's what I would have called if I was Boise State offense. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I texted about it. I said, you know, Fresno State needs to run the ball. And if Boise wants to win, they just need to run the ball. Don't even worry about passing yeah. because, <laughs> you know, our, our defensive line just isn't able to, you know, really get a stop. And I mean, you know, our, our safeties are the ones making the tackles on, you know, the running backs and, you mm-hmm. know, the guys in space. So it's usually a bad sign if, um, you know, your your front front six or seven aren't. <laughs> aren't uh, you know making the tackles in the box and the safeties are going to come up and clean it up so yeah i mean credit to boise i mean they ran for over 300 yards um on this bulldog defense so um yeah that's a huge huge hole here and it just seems like i don't know if it's a personnel problem or a scheme problem um just kind of seems like okay we we know the problem let's you know try to fix it um so i don't know if just the personnel in there aren't up to the task or if the scheme is too complicated i know you know, in previous conversations with, um, you know, players that, you know, you and Michael have done, you know, sometimes they've mentioned, 
you know, if the defensive scheme is too complicated, um, you know, sometimes that's a problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, the guys just aren't able to, um, you know, execute. So I don't know if it's just overcomplicated or if the guys just aren't able to execute. Mm-hmm. Well, before I forget, final score, Boise State 40, Fresno State 20. Uh, we scored – it was tied going into the fourth quarter. Boise scored 13. It was tied at 20, I believe. Uh, going into- uh, yeah, Boise, Boise was up 20 to 17 at half. Um, so coming out of halftime, uh, the dogs forced three and out, which is great, and then had a short drive and, and settled for a field goal um, early there in the third quarter. And then after that, it was you know 20 straight points for the Broncos. Yeah, rough. Uh, okay, we're gonna go by position here and uh, we'll talk about this. Let's talk about our O line first off. So Dante Bull played and he got, he got injured again. Uh, what did you think about the O-line? I mean, I think overall having Bull back, I think it made a difference in a good way. I mean, it seemed like it was a little bit better. Um, you know, Fife had a little bit more time to throw, but I mean, he was running around a lot. And, I mean, he had um, credited for 10 carries, you know, 23 yards. So, he was, he was moving, he was, you know, in and out of the pocket. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think pass protection, I guess, is a little bit better. Uh, I mean, running-wise, you know, it seemed in the first half, you know, Mims was able to kind of get things moving. Um, second half was just a completely different story, and running game was pretty much non-existent um, in that mm-hmm. second half. So, um, yeah, overall, still not what the offensive line needs to needs to be to open up the running game. No, I, my, everybody dance now was 125 plus rushing yards. I thought I was going to have to do it at halftime. I believe we had 83 yards, 86 yards of total rushing. And we ended the game with 96, 99 yards. What, what happened? And so this is what I saw when it comes to O-line. I didn't see us getting to the second level of blocking. You know, let's, uh, I'll I'll t- kind of try and do the best I can to explain it. You have a double, you double team a guy, one guy, you know, helps you out. And then you go to the linebacker. It was really slow developing blocking. Um, I don't know if they're trying to pull like a, uh, like, you know, what David Shaw is doing at Stanford right now or Le'Veon Bell sort of deal that I don't know if they, what they call it. The wedge deal. Um, where you the running back sits back there, waits for something to open up, and then goes. It, that's not what we we're doing. Just the O line was really slow to get to the second block, and the D line is was causing us problems. So when we're double teaming, it's freeing up the linebackers, and really you should you should hit them and then get to the next level. And what was really weird to me is, I I feel as though our zone running game, like out of a out of shotgun wasn't really working. Uh, you know, it was a lot to do when we have our big set in. So our tight ends, more Edwards at wide receiver. Motion, a wide receiver. Yep. <laughs> yep. And we're motioning or something. They run across and pop the guy. That's our best set to run the ball in. I don't know why we get away from that. Uh, yes. They're going to know that we're running the ball, but, Granted, we ran it when uh, we were on the when we got stopped at the one yard line, or when Nico dropped the ball on the half yard line. 
QB sneak, run, play action, roll out, and five runs for a first down. It's that easy. I mean, that's what we should be doing. And it was play action from under center. And I, you have to do play action from under center. This read option, RPO stuff out of shotgun, when you can't run the ball out of it, it doesn't help. I mean, it, 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 it's, not, it's not a threat, I would say. I'm going to say that. And uh, the, uh, the O-line out of shotgun wasn't getting a big push. Uh, so I don't know. I'd like to, if we're going to run the ball, our O-line is best when five's under center, whoever is under center and we're getting a big push and then we can run play action because five doesn't have the ability yet at quarterback to take over a game out of shotgun and sling the ball everywhere, roll out, make a pass, you know, things like that. So you have to keep it simple, but at the same time, scheme it to where you're effective. And I, and I don't see that happening. And I, I think it starts with the O-line, and that could affect the confidence and play calling and things like that. I could go on and on forever, so I'll stop. Uh, Jordan Mims, though, looked really good. Malik Sherrod, uh got one carry. I would like like to see him get more carries. Uh, uh, what do you think about the running backs? Yeah, I mean, you know, Mims got more touches. I mean, he had, you know, 21 carries, I think four or five receptions. So, you know, they were getting him the ball, which is good. And that's what we were wanting. But, I mean, he really got shut down. I mean, he only finished with 67 or 61 rushing yards. Um, I mean, positive there when they were running the Wildcat with Jordan Mims. I mean, it worked. I mean, he was getting three to six yards every time he was doing it. So, um, like, obviously, we can't rely on that for a whole game. But, uh, I mean, mixing it in more, and especially short yardage situations and goal line, I mean, it worked well. I mean, that's, you know, the dogs used that when we had, you know, the touchdown early. I think that was in first quarter. Mm-hmm. So, overall, that's positive. And, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the when he's just running downhill straight ahead, like he is when he's, you know, taking the shotgun snap, you know, he's kind of picking his hole and he's hitting it, right? Whereas, you know, the zone running, it's tough when it's, you know, slower to develop. And then, you know, the offensive line is getting pushed back. So, yeah, it almost seems like almost need to go back to a little Pat Hill pro style here. And, you know, we have we have a workhorse back. Let's, you know, pound the ball straight ahead. And um, but obviously that's not, you know, part of the scheme that, you know, coaches are wanting to do, um, which is frustrating. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Sherrod looked good when he did have the ball. He had a nice return on the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think running game, I think we need to get our quarterback, whoever is in there, moving. If it's not Jake Hayner, I mean, I think Henderson should get a look if Jake isn't back next game because, um, I mean, he's kind of, you know, been branded as more of a runner um, compared to Fife. And it seems like that's what we need to do. I mean, we need to have a quarterback who's a playmaker and can get five to eight yards, you know, every time when he runs it. Um, Cause that's what kills our defense. And, you know, we need to turn that into, you know, a positive on our, our, our offense. Yeah. You guys will remember this once I bring it up, but we're running RPO stuff with Fife in and he keeps it and he's behind pals. He runs behind pals and then, runs into pals instead of picking a side just runs right into the back of him and then he popped it out outside and ran for a couple more yards out of out of bounds so it worked out you could just tell it a little bit outside his comfort zone and the red wave is going crazy with 
this QB situation right now. And I, we are too. It was in our text message, not being transparent here about second quarter. You and I text Caleb. Okay. Jalen Henderson time. It's just, I think it, so. it wasn't, mm-hmm. I think it was second quarter. Uh, it just wasn't happening uh, for us. And when you, when you're going to run RPO stuff, let's give the person that gives us the best opportunity to move the ball in an RPO situation. And in my opinion, that would be Jalen Henderson. And Ray brought up a good point, uh, listener of the show. He said last year, or even going into this year, the backup spot is pretty much even, right? Going or they're they're lying to us, which I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. Uh, they they this coaching staff really does not like to share anything. Anyways, supposedly even. Well, five has two games now, and not impressive games. So now if things are even, okay, now I expect to see Jalen Henderson come in because I mean, San Jose State's coming in and they're good and we'll have our preview, but they're not a cakewalk San Jose State team like in the past. So when it comes to the quarterback position, let's, if we're going to run RPO, put in Jalen Henderson. And if we're, if we're going to throw the ball the whole time, then okay, put someone in who's going going to give us the best opportunity to move the ball through the air. And if anyone from the team or the football program is listening, just the red wave is not too impressed with Fife moving the ball through the air. He had four interceptions the last two games. He had two interceptions both games. And the interceptions in this game were really bad. Yeah, I mean, the the first one he threw it right to, I think it was a linebacker. And so he was trying to target Trey Watson, which, um, you know, we noted before, you know, I think he's a, a favorite for Fife just because they've <laughs> probably got more reps than, yeah. um, you know, some of the other receiving course. So, yeah, I mean, he was looking down the whole way through right to the linebacker. Um, so that wasn't great. And, um, yeah, I'm having a hard time remembering the second pick, but, I mean, I remember it was easy. It was the first play of the drive in the fourth quarter, I think. And, yeah, easy pick. Yeah, I think it was the Pals in double coverage. May, mm-hmm. may have been triple coverage. It was he tried to force it in. It was bad. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's not a good sign when I mean when Ray Pals is leading receiver. You know, two receptions for forty two yards. Um, you know, I think five. I mean, you really only attempted one deep ball um, targeting uh, Cropper, and I mean he overthrew him by like five yards, and it wasn't even in the right direction. You know, Cropper was kind of heading more toward the pylon, yeah. and he you know five threw it more you know down the middle of the field. So. Obviously, there's you know a lack of chemistry there, um, and kind of knowing where your receiver is going to go when he's running that deep route. So that's frustrating. Yeah, and there was um, one at the end too. That was yeah. just kind of no one. I think he's just trying to put it up there, but it- yeah. So yeah, it's tough. And I mean, uh, I read stats coming into this week that you know, I think I can't remember if it was Fresno State passing total or. Um, just Logan Fife, but I mean, Fresno State is ranked like 138th in the nation out of 131 um, FBS teams um, at passing beyond 10 yards. So that is really bad. Um, <laughs> so when the majority of the passes are either behind the line of scrimmage or within, you know, five to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, it's really hard to get those chunk plays um, when we're not able to stretch the field. So you're saying that myself, you and Michael aren't crazy when we are losing our minds over these wide receiver screens and short passes. Is this is true that, okay. I think good so. to know. Yeah. 
And I mean, again, this week, you know, they tried to do some sort of reverse play to, or it might've been a pass, uh, you know, kind of screen to a cropper. And thankfully it was incomplete, but I mean, if he would have caught it, it would have been a loss of like six yards. And I think we tried a couple other wide receiver screens and just the blocking wasn't there. It didn't set up right. And I mean, it, there's just no, even on the short stuff, you know, the, the execution isn't there. Okay. Well, let's, that, that's kind of sums it up for the offense, but let's talk about this now. Is it play calling or execution? So you talked about there's some lack of execution going on, but are the coaches putting them in the best position to succeed with play calling? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's a mix of both, um, you know, maybe not calling the right plays, but at the same time, I mean, these are collegiate football players that should be able to make plays. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the dogs keep, keep finding themselves in, you know, long situations. So second long, third and long, you know, behind the sticks. And those are not where (laughs) obviously this Fresno State offense is going to succeed. You know, third and two, you know, we can do that. We can run the ball for two yards. Um, But third and nine, you know, we're going to get a six-yard completion and then we're going to punt. So part of that I think is just, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously the guys have to be running longer routes. And I think that, the offensive line is not giving Fife a ton of time. So if the route is taking longer to develop, obviously he's not going to be able to find him because he's scrambling and trying to you know make some magic happen. So, yeah, I, I think it's a mix of both, but what do you think? Yes, but I think it's coaching. So, so yes, it's a mix of both, but more coaching. When, when you get, you move the ball all game, on the ground and then you get away from that and you start, I think it was our first drive in the fourth quarter. We threw the ball on first down. And I said this, it was either after USC or before UConn. If we ever throw the ball on first down again, I will lose my mind. And we did that. And it was an incompletion or we lost two or three yards. Uh, I, I went ballistic at the TV. I couldn't believe it. Just run the, So that is coaching. Unless there's a check that Fife made to a pass play, and I don't think he has the green light to do that. I would be shocked if he did. So in that aspect, I think it's all, it's all coaching because they're not putting our players in the best position to win the ball game. But yes, we have very good Division I athletes. And I think that's why we are so upset in the red wave is because we have good players still. Yes, our starting quarterback and safety are out. And we have some O-line issues going on. We still have really good players. And we should be executing. There shouldn't be this huge drop-off. This is Division I football. I don't care what you think about power five group of five. This is division one football. We should not have this big of a drop off when some people get injured. So I, I think it's all coaching and then I'm going to add this to coaching and it was on the offensive side of the ball at the end of the second quarter, that possession, our last drive, I believe that Mims caught the ball, got tackled inbounds with about 15 seconds left. We had a timeout. And half the coaching staff and people on the sideline are doing the spike motion 
but go spike it. And then no one realized that there's a timeout. I don't, Tedford knew we had one because he ended up calling one with one second left. But you can't have 14 or I don't know if it's 12, 14, 15 seconds tick away when you call timeout, take a shot to the end zone, maybe two uh, if you don't catch it short, and then kick a field goal. Instead, we let all that time tick away. And then Tedford realizes, oh my gosh, we're not going to get this off at one second and call timeout, timeout, timeout. That's all coaching. So there, this is what I see as a former coach. I think that he, Tedford has a belief in his players that they know what to do and what's going on. And they don't, they're not coached up yet to his liking or there's too many chefs in the kitchen, so to speak. We got coaches saying this, saying that Tedford hasn't really spoke up yet, uh, which I don't think is the case because I feel Tedford would say something. something. But, you know, wh- why aren't we understanding the situation we're in when we're podcast hosts who never played call division one college football in their life know what's going on? But call t- timeout, 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 timeout. I feel like Peyton Manning on the Manning cast and timeout, 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 timeout and no one's calling it timeout, timeout, timeout. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think part of it comes back to lack of experience for five too, because, you know, I think that Tedford has a ton of confidence in Hayner to pretty much run the offense, right? Mm-hmm. And like, if there needs to be an audible or play call, you know, Jake can probably do it and manage, manage the clock, right? So I think part of that is on five two, you know, kind of knowing where, you know, on the field, knowing where the clock is and watching and, you know, we're at two seconds and the ball hasn't even been, you know, spotted by the referee yet, or your whole line isn't set. That's you got to turn around and, you know, the quarterback can, you know, can call a timeout on the field. And so I, you know, I have to put a little bit of that on, on five two just to, you know, have, be, a, be a little bit more aware of on the field. And if he's seeing, okay, these guys aren't going to be set, let's call this timeout. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, there was no urgency from anyone. I mean, Mims yeah. laid on the ground for 10 seconds. Right. I mean, granted, the Boise guy was on top of him, but uh, kick him, push him, something. Like, let's, hey, let's go. Hop to it, boys. Come on. I didn't yeah. see any. And there was no, there was none of that energy all game. Mm-hmm. No energy, urgency, nothing. And where Boise came out, this is Fresno State. I believe um, Johnny Ballgame uh, posted it on Twitter. I believe this was the most attended game in Boise State history. And we come out like that, that is not good. So, yeah. And I mean, on, on the topic of clock management, it seemed like it had to be at least 10 snaps in this game, game where do say it, please. I know what you're going to say. Yes. The ball was snapped at or after zero and <laughs> yes. there were no delayed game calls. So, yeah. uh, I mean, as a fan, like, I think we got super lucky or maybe there was, you know, the clock wasn't synced up perfectly with the stadium <laughs> on the TV broadcast, but there should have been at least 10 delay game penalties. It seemed yeah. like on Fresno state and they just weren't called, uh, which, you know, thank you. But <laughs> I feel like they weren't really keeping the offense accountable. And when, you know, Fife is walking up to the line of scrimmage with five seconds left on the play clock and he's trying to change the play and Mims is grabbing or motioning to him, like, get back here. You need to snap it. Like that is a really bad sign for a quarterback. I mean, you need to have that awareness to know, okay, I can't 
you know, audible this play with five seconds left. Okay, maybe I burn a timeout if we're really matched up poorly. Um, but we just can't take you know, a five-year penalty on a delay game. And so I think, you know, a lot of that is Fife and maybe not having, you know, the best grasp on, you know, the whole playbook like Hainer might and being able to get the, get the play call out quicker. But, boy, I mean, they really need to work on that. I mean, that was just really frustrating. Yeah, I, I brought this up in the Twitter space yesterday, and I and then I brought it up. I went to church today, and of course, you know, I go to church, and everyone asks me. Every they know we're the Boyer Bulldogs guys, and so they got to talk Fresno State football with me. Like, guys, I do not want to talk Fresno State. It was just, it's sad Sunday, guys. That's why I'm at <laughs> church. I don't want to talk about Fresno anymore. I'm here to pray for them. But the, <laughs> anyways, they, uh, but we talked about it, and they saw the same thing I did, and that is. Fife couldn't see the play call. So, and I had to go back after I brought it up on the space. I, I went back and looked it up and watched the highlights to make sure I wasn't going crazy, but the wide receivers, they're in a bunch package. And this happened a couple times and, and go look at Fife's height. He's not that tall. And he can't see over our guys to get the play call at the same time. I can't put it all on five because Hayner struggled with it too. So, and I know Hayner's not that tall either. So somehow, so there's a bunch of stuff going on. So there is a lack of communication somewhere on whether the coaching staff to the signal callers from the signal callers to the quarterback. I know there's a lot of stuff you got to do it, but it seems like every school seems to be doing it just fine. (laughs) And, or you can't see over your guys to the signal players, and if that happens, you are the quarterback. You you have the the voice to order people to go anywhere, move them. <laughs> Just get them out there. Let's get the play call. Don't check to another play at eight seconds, please. Let's just run the ball. So, I yeah, I'm with you, man. That is, has been so annoying uh, this year. Um. Let's move to the defense. Okay, we'll move to the defense, and then we're going to get to your guys' responses. So, Taylor Green, quarterback for Boise State, we talked about him. We said he's going to be a threat. He threw two touchdown passes. He only went 10 for 18, though. Didn't throw the ball a lot. 127 yards and and an interception. Um, He did have 11 rushes for 22 yards. Yeah, I mean, I think as a passer, he you can tell that he is a freshman and still kind of learning how to play the game um, because there were a couple um, plays in the first half. I think it was a couple third down plays where, you know, he kind of threw some errant passes and, you know, credits to front State DBs. That was kind of one of our positive takeaways from this, you know, the corners. I think the yeah. corners played really well. I mean, coverage was good. They were breaking up plays. Um, but I think that there were a couple plays where Green definitely could have tucked the ball and ran it and probably scored a touchdown, but he decided to try to throw it. And so I think, yeah, at least one of the plays, uh, the series where they settled for a field goal, he easily could have ran it in for a touchdown. So mm-hmm. dog got kind of lucky there. And um, so I think a more experienced quarterback probably watches that film and you know next season they're going to torch us <laughs> on that like the experienced quarterback of Shavon Cordero at San Jose State exactly yeah <laughs> can run. So, yeah so 
Stay tuned for the preview. We'll have plenty to talk about for uh, this revamped San Jose State team, which looks like they could be, you know, the team to beat at least in you know yeah. the the West or you know, the Mountain West. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I think probably the one positive I think we talked about is okay, corners were playing well. Um, hey, 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 wait, I, what, what corner played? Okay, go ahead. No, what, what corner played? <laughs> that would be uh, that would be Kale Sanders oh, and uh, Braylon Lux. So. <laughs> Yeah, nothing uh, against Lockridge, but I'm just a Kale Sanders fan. Yeah, you, you, I like Lockridge. Too. Yeah, you, you've been on Sanders for a while, and I mean Lockridge has been a good player too. So, really strange. I don't really know. Obviously, there must be some sort of matchup thing that you yeah. know the coaching staff likes better. Uh, Sanders, you know, I think is probably a stronger you know wrap up tackler than Lockridge. Lockridge is kind of a big hit guy, um, which probably could have been a liability for this team. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but. Yeah, those two guys played really well. And, I mean, the safeties, too. I mean, they played well. They were having to make a lot of tackles. Um, so, kind of stepping in to fill Evan Williams' uh, shoes there. So, But, I mean, Gates and Early, I mean, pretty much played the whole game and not a lot of subbing, um, which is good. Um, you know, we love Comstock's effort, but uh, Gates and Early should be the ones that are in there playing. I was going to I was gonna ask you, how do you feel, man? Uh, Comstock, I don't know if Comstock saw the field. I don't think so. So, I mean, maybe this, this coaching staff, they're, you know, non-conference games are maybe less important and they're just trying to get people reps and figure out the lineups. And so maybe that's the case. And maybe we've settled here on you know, our defensive backfield, which for what Fresno state has, I think it's, you know, the, the best four guys on the field there with uh, Gates, early Sanders and uh, Braylon Lux. I agree. I was, I was happy with our db room very impressed with elijah gates and lj early um, i know some people aren't the biggest fans of lj early but I, I i am i liked how he played um he now, and here's the thing when you're you have out of your top five leading tacklers three of them are from your db room that is a problem the two safeties both our safeties and Kale Sanders were in the top five leading the way for tackles. That's not a good thing. So, um, also Raymond Scott was out. We thought maybe he could play cause he warmed up before the game, but he didn't get in. Um, so we saw Malachi Langley, uh, Lavelle Bailey and Maurice Norris at Nickelback. And we, and we did see Phoenix Jackson for a good amount of the second yes. half. Um, Cause I know that Bailey was banged up coming into this game. So he really didn't seem like he was a hundred percent. Um, just cause usually, I mean, without Williams out, he's usually top of the list, on uh, you know, total tackles at the end of the game. So I think he's probably not a hundred percent and was just doing his best. I mean, Phoenix Jackson in there was doing a good job. Um, I mean, serviceable Langley had a really good game, had a pick uh, in the first quarter, which was uh, really exciting. So the defense is, you know, we got another turnover, which is good. <laughs> but at the same time, you just can't give up 300 rushing yards and expect uh, to win. I mean, that's like, you know, death by Air Force, you know, just getting <laughs> run, run, run all game. Boise did what they're supposed to do. They ran the ball. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. We didn't run the ball. We made dumb mistakes and, in my opinion, called dumb plays. And so I, it was tough. Uh, D line, I believe we had two sacks. Uh, I, I let me see if I can find Bray and Braylon Lux had a sack, and then you had Prowess and Hudson on um, another sack. So 
they each had half a sack. So that gets us to two. So, you know, D line should, I thought should really have a push. And this is what I wanted to bring up. I almost forgot. When you guys are watching the next game against San Jose state, watch the line of scrimmage. It'll be at home. So I'm assuming a lot of people will be at the game, but if you're, if you're there or if you're on TV, watch that, watch the line of scrimmage and see where the RO line ends up after the ball is snapped compared to the line of scrimmage. It is scary because <laughs> against Boise, our D line got pushed backwards and our O line got pushed backwards. And that line of scrimmage, it like it, it moves with the O line, right? So now instead of, running you got a five yard head start running downhill for jordan mims you have a two yard head start or a three yard head start and it's not good and then their running back now has seven yards to run that full speed so i would just watch that line of scrimmage it's it's hard to watch but it's very interesting as well um also i skipped past this but our line didn't pick up blitzes at all I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, that's a good point. And it seemed like the coaching staff was kind of, I think, trying to help with that. Uh, we saw a lot of multiple tight end packages and you know, only you know two or three receivers and keeping the tight ends in for extra protection. I mean, Jordan Mims, you know, certainly is doing his best back there trying to pick up blitz. But I mean, it's tough when he's just getting blown up uh, every time trying to pick those up. So it seemed like there was some scheme trying to be there. But yeah, the execution there with protection is, is poor. Yeah, it's kind of like when I, I coach basketball, I coaching defense. Guys, what's the most important thing on the floor? The basketball, right? Okay, so we have all these, not rule, the things going on on defense, right? Ball and man. Sorry, I'm talking basketball now. And then, but however, if the ball is free, dribbling towards the rim, you go stop the ball. <laughs> if there's a linebacker blitzing free down the middle and you're not blocking anyone, most important thing on the field is the ball. Go protect the ball. If quarterback has the ball, Please block the linebacker that no one has picked up and you're not blocking anyone right now. <laughs> Please. All right. I, I'm done. I'm moving on. Uh, last thing, special teams. Um, you didn't have you don't have to dance, Caleb. Our special teams look the worst it has all no, year. It kind of feels like a, a yeah, I think I think I jinxed the jinxed the special <laughs> teams of Nico. I mean, he had a you know pretty bad blunder on the kick return where he tried to field it on the one yard line. It, the ball was going towards the end zone. Either would have went out of bounds or for a touchback. He's tried to catch it and it bounces off his hands and goes out of bounds on like the half yard line. And really sets up, you know, not a good position for the offense. And then Fife ends up throwing a pick later in that possession. So yeah, that 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 wasn't great. And um I mean, the positive sides on special teams, Abe Montano was, you know, two for two on field goals and mm -hmm. two for two on extra points. So he executed his job. But, yeah, the rest of the kicking game um, and the return game was, you know, definitely left uh, some to be desired. And once again, I bring up coaching. Hey, last week we were talking about how our special teams was the only thing that was good. And now we're talking about how poorly executed our special teams was against Boise. And it's just stupid mistakes. So I, I don't know if I could put that all on coaching because there were some dumb decisions being made, but man, it was rough. Um, 
Malik Sherrod, though, had a good return. We, and then and Abe looked good. I, I'm really happy for Abe. I think he's found his, his uh, groove again. He'll be back. Maybe I just jinxed him. Hopefully not. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, let's get to you guys. I put it out there like I do every week. We want to hear from you guys. Um, Ron Jenkins says it's getting ugly now. It ain't just the QB position. So, which that's true. Um, okay. Okay. Here we go. West. And by the way, I haven't read these. So, um, We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Don't matter who you have at the QB position when you have a defense that's 100% awful. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't give up 300 yards. However, I would still like to see something at the quarterback position to give the fan base what they're asking for. Let's see what we have other than Fife. I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's always kind of a funny line because – you know, the coaching staff, I don't think they care what the fans say. Obviously, yes. they, they want the fan support and they want, you know, the home crowd to be loud. But yeah, like, I don't think they're going to go to the backup quarterback just because, you know, the crowd is chanting for it. So that's just always kind of a funny, uh, funny line for fans. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lauren Worth, playing without our captain leaders on both sides of the ball. The effort is there. Execution, not exactly. But at 2020, I was really proud, real proud. The fan base needs to stay behind the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, even after all of our blunders and some drives didn't go our way and a three and out in the beginning, we had them 2020, we were in the game. I think the most frustration comes when you see we are capable of winning this game and then we just come out in the fourth quarter and lay an egg and do nothing, literally zero points. And we looked really bad. So I, I agree, you know, playing without our captain leaders on both sides of the ball, that affects us. But to an extent, I, I can't, um, I don't, how do I want to put this? I, we still lost. It's an L. And it, I, to me, it doesn't matter who's on the field. We lost and we have to perform better. And because we are in it 2020, now there's no excuse for me that we, we lose by 20, give up 20 points and, you know, into the third quarter and into the fourth. So I don't know what, what's, what's your uh, opinion on that? I agree. Nothing, nothing more to add there. Um, okay. Uh, single-use plastic. He uh, he's Taylor Twelman when we didn't qualify for the United States World Cup. What are we doing? What are we doing? So that's what he said. Um, Joey says we look like uh, poo poo. Uh, the real Fresno State fan who made the trip to Boise. By the way, good for you, man. Uh, we need a QB change. Get Jalen Henderson in. Uh, he's averaging Fife is averaging a little over hundred yards per game. Uh, let's give Fife. Oh, excuse me. Let's give Henderson a game. I want to see what he can do. Yep. I think he speaks for all of us. So do, do you think the coaching staff owes it to Logan Fife to let him play a home game? Cause so far he's played, you know, three road games in a <laughs> row coming in, 
you know, after half at USC, you know, long road trip at UConn and then tough environment at Boise. So do you think, you know, a home environment is a little bit friendlier for Logan Fife? Is it friendlier for a Logan Fife? Yeah, maybe. I I would not want to. I would not want to start that game if I was Logan Fife and I throw an interception. It's it would be bad. So <laughs> I, yeah, I could. I mean, of I course, could, I want to start could, at home though. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I could. I could definitely see the crowd turn quickly if there's a three and out or early pick, and then crowd starts booing, which is a, a really bad. bad look for you know the, the offense or excuse me for, for the home team so i really hope that that won't happen but that could very well happen yeah matt says there were more signs of life i agree but the defense still isn't anywhere near good enough yeah yeah you yeah. can't give up 40 points and 300 rushing yards and then say hey we're giving you a shot to win the game you know it's that's that's hard to argue. <laughs> um, Philly Ramirez says uh, we're not good. That's my thought. <laughs> um, and then um, Eddie, he said a lot of things. Uh, he's not too happy with Kirby Moore. And I'll say this play calling has to be probably one of the hardest jobs in football. And he's never done it before. So there's a learning curve there that, I mean, it's going to take him a while to figure out that learning curve going from wide receivers coach to offensive coordinator and play caller. So, I mean, he brought up that even with Hayner in there, it, it didn't look good. So, and I agree, but, um, how long do you give a coach to figure it out? I guess is my question. Yeah. I mean, I would be really surprised if there was a mid season change there just because, you know, more is young and it seems like, you know, Tedford is really trying to build him into, you know, his next great play caller. And I mean, if they do move on from more, I mean, who are they bringing in mid season or who's taking over? I mean, it's, you know, Tedford, for calling the plays, or has he been like having a lot of input up to this point? I right. mean, he did have a, call, a, lot uh, of a play sheet last yeah. night. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's in the dog's best interest to, you know, make a change in midseason. I mean, it seems like the players like Coach Moore um, and just kind of seems like he needs to just get more reps, watch more film, and just be, yeah. be better. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. When we talk about it in the NFL and other uh, college football teams, you have a new OC. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You got to get to know. Now you have a new quarterback who's never really played before and a new OC. I mean, it's That's tough, man. Uh, Fresno State football fans, we played better than I thought we would. Just started to lose it towards the end. Yeah, you know, that's true. When it was 2020, I was actually – very happy, and I'm not going to say shocked, but I thought we'd be losing going into uh, that time in the game. Mm-hmm. And we were there. Uh, Rob Brown, three. Play calling was better. Fife just doesn't have it. So Rob thinks that it's on Fife 
and not the coaching. Okay. Uh, cool. Eli says the defense is not good. Um, it's hard to argue for the defense other than the DBs. Cole nail one D something is wrong. <laughs> yeah, something is very wrong. Unfortunately, we won't know what that is. Um, whether that's internally and we can see what's on the field and that doesn't lie, but internally, I wonder what's going on. Kevin, I'm not too mad about the loss. Well, lucky you. <laughs> uh, I know we have too many injuries. I'm proud of this team. Yeah, we, we have a, uh, a lot of injuries. Um, all right, Frank, the O-line is extremely soft. The defense is even softer. And he says, no leadership. And, and I saw this, and I wanted to bring this up. <clears throat> so, you, you know, we talked about five. You know, you know he, he needs to use his voice more, be a leader. As a quarterback, you have to be. But when, is there anyone else? I want to talk offense first. Anyone on the offensive side of the ball that could step up and be a leader? I mean, I think the only one with credibility really would be Jordan Mims. I mean, he's been there for a long time. He's a proven playmaker and difference maker on that team. So, but that doesn't really seem like his personality. And I mean, really, you know, the offensive leader kind of needs to be the quarterback. I mean, he's the one calling in the plays and the rest of the team needs to trust the quarterback hundred percent. And if that isn't happening, then maybe that's a sign that, you know, a change needs to be made. Yeah. And I've, you know, I brought up in this, maybe, man, I if stuff is blending together. Now we've talked so much Fresno state lately, but there needs to be someone on the coaching staff or on the field that pulls five to the side. And I thought it would be Jay Kaner because he made the trip. And smack him on the side of the helmet, say, hey, man, look, this is how we do things here. Maybe this needs to be Frank. Uh, smack him on the side of the helmet, tell him, this is how we do things here. This is what we need from you to succeed. And I thought it would be a coach. And because I haven't seen that from a coach, coach yet, maybe it did happen, but I haven't seen it. And, it, and you could tell in the body language from the coaching staff that it, it didn't look it like, like it was going to happen. It was lackadaisical body language, uh, no intensity. Well, let's, let's get on some people. Yes, sir. Yes, coach. Okay, I got you. You know, uh, so, and then defensively, yes, we lost our leader in Evan Williams. I thought Paralysis or Lavelle Bailey would, you know, right away. Um, I, I haven't seen it yet. Maybe a little bit from Lavelle. Maybe. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I, I think Lavelle has kind of moved into that number yeah. one leader of the defense. Um, but beyond him, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of vocal guys that are trying to fire up the team. Um, I mean, it's also kind of hard, you know, with the way games and watching on TV because you don't really get the full picture. So yeah. it's a little bit easier at home. So I think that'll be something that we need to watch out for, uh, you know, this coming game against San Jose State to see, you know, who are the leaders who's stepping up, who is calling the guys together in a huddle and, you know, giving them a, a pep talk. All right. Uh, Quiroz 12. Moore is slow with his play calls. Doesn't have our, doesn't give our inexperienced QB time to survey the field. 
We talked about that. I don't, I, I couldn't agree more. We, uh, we have to figure it out. Uh, we we got to get the play call in immediately. So th- there's a lot going on on this team that we need to figure out. I, I don't know if it happens next week. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a, like a, a movie montage montage moment and figure it out. But after how we played against UConn and Boise, it's going to take a lot more than I thought it was going to take to get this team working as a unit to figure out the leaders, to get play calling situated and smooth. It's just, uh, I don't, it's, it's frustrating. And I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think that it gets much better soon. I mean, something I am encouraged by is the fact that Hayner made the trip. He seemed to be in, you know, the offensive huddles and tried to kind of maintain that leadership. So it seems like he's still locked in and, you know, is fighting for this team. And I mean, there's still, you know, seven games left to go in this season. So there's still a lot that can happen. And I mean, that's really the big question mark right there is, you know, how quickly is Jake Hayner able to come back for this team and hopefully right the ship. And it's a good sign. It seems like, you know, he's able to move around. He's there. You know, we didn't really see any clunky boot that he's wearing. So I guess I'm cautiously optimistic for this week. Um, I doubt the coaching staff's really going to give us any information, and it'll pretty much just be game time for when we'll know what the quarterback we're, we're, we're getting. All right. Since I've been so frustrated with the coaching staff, I'll bring this up. Do you appreciate the coaching staff not sharing things with the media? I mean, we're not there to hound them. So, may, you know, maybe you and I need to go and hound them a little bit. But if you, I mean, may, put yourself in their shoes. And do you share that information? Do you care it leaking out and getting to opponents? Or does it matter? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably try to handle it the same way that the coaching staff is handling it now. I mean, I don't want to give my opponent any more information that they can use against me. So I probably wouldn't do it any differently. So, I mean, I do respect, you know, the, the gamesmanship there and trying to gain advantages where we can. Um, but from like a ticket sales perspective and uh, <laughs> fan morale perspective, you know, right now they need to be selling hope is um, after four straight losses there's not much of that in a lot of the casual fans. And I think that'll be um, evident in the turnout and, you know, these last handful of games. So I think from that perspective, you know, they need to give some legitimate hope and actually like be truthful about it. Cause I mean, this week to week stuff, you know, I understand the gamesmanship and, you know, they may actually be, and, you know, it kind of depends how the rehab goes and how they're feeling and how they're feeling the day of the game. But I mean, a realistic time frame saying, oh, yep, you know, Jake's going to be out four to six weeks, you know, probably closer to six, just so that way, you know, we're not doing any long-term damage. So, you know, we're shooting for the San Diego State home game for Jake to come back. That's like, okay, so we know we're stuck with five for five games. So we'll just, you know, tough it out. And you know, then we still have that hope. Um, so that's what I would like to see, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything. Uh, even though as much as I hate it, I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> uh, okay. I want to end on this because it was brought up and it's really interesting to me. 
um, and I brought it up in the beginning with the media and the coverage of Fresno State. So we had uh, Gonzo, uh, from, he works for ESPN, in the Twitter space yesterday, and he talked about uh, the media's coverage on Fresno State and because some people are frustrated. It's all, you know, uh, rainbows and unicorns when it comes to Fresno State football. Very little criticism. What is, what's your opinion on, on that? But from someone that, you know, talks about the team and people actually Watch listen it. to what you say about the team, Caleb. Um, I mean, as a diehard Fresno State Bulldog fan, I, I want the, the hope. So obviously, like, I don't want it to be, you know, so far out there that's like, okay, obviously you're just saying that because you want people to be happy. But like, I, I do try and I do try to dig up, you know, the positives on this team that we could say, look, this, you know, we do have these players that are playing well, you know, let's get behind them. Don't, don't bail on this team yet. But, uh, and I, it's really hard when, you know, you're trashing on your own team and, you know, your own local market. And so like from the media perspective, like, you know, if you're the guy that is just always trashing on the coaches, I mean, those coaches aren't going to want to you know, give you any information <laughs> if you're ever talking to them. So, I mean, from that business side of it, I really see that, you know, they pretty much can't like totally trash on them uh, unless they're completely independent and, you know, they aren't relying on the coaches for information or any of that. So I don't even know if I answered your question, but. No, yeah. I, I think, I think that was good. And I find that interesting because i I feel the same way. And I think it totally depends on what you want to sell yeah. as a media person. Are you, do you, are you trying to sell tickets? Are you trying to get people to the game? If you are, then, you know, we're going to be a little bit more positive. We want to get butts in seats. And from and just being honest here, I want to see people in the stadium. So, and you do too. And that's, we always try to find some hope, right? Problem with hope is that when your hopes, hope and dreams get crushed, it really hurts. Right. <laughs> and at the same time, because we're diehard fans, there needs to be honesty from us as a red wave of how we feel towards the program. And I think that that is what's different about beware of Bulldogs podcast. And, you know, you have guys like Gonzo and guys on, on other shows, they have people calling in and they, they're, they're having that conversation, which I, I'm happy that they're doing that. But what I think what's nice about beware of Bulldogs is that, we are the red wave. So all you guys listening and interacting with us, Caleb, Michael, and I, I mean, we are constantly in the community and all people talk to us about is Fresno state and how we feel. So, I mean, you guys, we get how you guys are feeling. You guys know how we feel. We're honest with you. And so I think that's, what's really special. And it's not from a place of, I hate this team now because we see, we're seeing a lot of casuals now and you'll, you'll see that. I'm done watching this. I'm done watching this team because there's no hope. So that, that kind of talk, I don't think is good for Fresno state. Now, no one will show up. No, no one will want to play here. We won't be on TV. So it'll just be really bad. And so I think there's a, <clears throat> it, it's, what do you want as a media member? What do you want to sell? And then two, um, 
you know, how are you portraying what you're selling? So, you know, if you want to try and sell seats being negative, I guess you can do that, <laughs> um, <laughs> bashing your team. But um, once again, you know, you and I went to school there. We dreamed about going to school at Fresno State. That's where we wanted to go. Not everyone in the media can say that and actually did that. So there's a, I, I find it very interesting. I, I thank you guys for interacting with us and being honest with us. Uh, even to the people that are super negative, I actually smile and laugh. I never, and by the way, I don't block or mute anyone on social media. I like to hear it all. Uh, so thank you for that. And the people that are being positive, thank you. Cause we need that too. We need to portray hope. So you got to have both. And the great thing about Boyer Bulldogs is that we can bring that. And I hope, I hope we are, if we aren't, then let us know if we miss something, let us know. We're always trying to get better. Uh, is there anything else about this game that you want to talk about Caleb or, I, I or think, more about the media or anything? Yeah, I, I think we've covered it pretty well. Um, and so the great thing is there's still seven more games and still seven more Friday slash Saturdays where we get to watch Fresno State football. So um, I'll always be happy about that. And so, yeah, stay tuned this week for, you know, more coverage. We're turning the page. You know, we're on to San Jose State and it's home game. The Ducks haven't been home in 35 days. So um, hopefully that is the rejuvenation that this team needs to make a, make a turnaround. We can still go seven and one in conference. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, Thank you. I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed this one, even though it was tough. Um, I think I learned a lot from Twitter spaces this week, how you guys are feeling with um, interacting with us and just, and talking with you, Caleb, it was great. I had a good time. Now I'm off, I'm off to a birthday party. So I, I'm guessing that I'm going to have more conversations about the Fresno State football team. Thank you guys for all your support. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. God bless you guys, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.